Okay. All right, guys, we are starting a new series. If you were here for last uh, the last series we did, or group of series, we spent some time talking about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. And we talked also about if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to obey the commands of Jesus Christ, which begs, what are the commands of Jesus Christ? So we looked at those. And we're going to kind of take this fall, that whole concept, a little bit further in this idea of get in the game. Now, how many of you guys in the room played sports as a kid? Just raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you're going to be really embarrassed. So just raise your hand. How many of you guys played sports beyond high school, like college? I know we have a few. Okay. Anybody play sports beyond that? Man, look at that. More than I thought. Well, for most of us, we probably didn't make it beyond high school, right? You know, we, we blew it out in high school. That's about as far as we were going to get on our talent. And, and yet, we all have something in common. Every, every single guy in this room, if you played sports, one of the things that you wanted to do was get in the game. You know, nobody wanted to sit, sit on the bench, did you? You know, it just wasn't where you wanted to be. And yet, sometimes that's where you ended up. As a matter of fact, in 1971, I was 16 years old. I was growing up. I was a 10th grader living in Long Island, New York, going to Kings Park High School. I was the third string tailback on our very bad football team. That tells you a lot. So I was the third string. I was very small. I know you find that hard to believe. But I was not very good. But I looked great in a uniform. And I, I tried to find a picture. I asked my mom to find it, and she couldn't find it. And it's probably a blessing that she didn't. But I never got to play. Now, I went to every practice, and I just remember the drills. You know, I hated practice, but I knew you had to go to practice if you ever wanted to play. And one of the drills I hated the most was kind of the monkey in the middle where you'd get a, a guys in a circle, and then you'd all number off, and then, you know, you got put in the middle, and the coach would just call in independent numbers and you didn't know where the guy was coming from and their job was just knock the snot out of you your job was to tackle them i usually just spent most of my time on my butt because i i couldn't get up fast enough to get the next guy but i just remember these drills that i would go through practice after practice and and then the game would come and i would occupy my permanent spot on the bench now homecoming came that year and i don't know what i got in my head but i thought this year, I'm going to get to play. I just know I'm going to get to play. Because we're not going to win. We never won. So I thought, you know, what, what's he going to lose if he puts me in the game? So here comes homecoming. My family shows up. My parents are there. Friends are there. It was packed. For our school, it was packed. And so I'm down on the bench. And I'm waiting. And I knew I wouldn't start. And I knew I wouldn't probably be in the first quarter or the second quarter. But I figured at least sometime I would get in the game. And we were losing. And then suddenly it happened. There was a call. My name was screamed out. And I jumped up. I was ready. I had I always wore my helmet. I had everything on. I was ready to go. And I run up to the coach. And what had happened was one of the guys had come off the field and he had broken his chin strap. I thought, I'm going to get to go in. It may not be long, but I'm going I'm to do something great. And he goes, give me your chin strap. I said, what? He goes, give me your chin. Hurry up. Just give me your chin strap. So I take off my chin strap with the help of the assistant coach who just basically yanked it off. 
gave it to this kid. He went back in the game. And I went back wobbling with my helmet back to the, the bench. And I sat there and I thought, well, you know, that's, that's odd. You know, why would he do that? And then a few minutes later, my name gets yelled again. This is a true story. I jump off, my helmet's, you know, wobbling over the place. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to go in the game. I wasn't thinking about the fact that I didn't have a chin strap, but I just, I ran up there. And the coach says, lift up your shirt. What? He goes, lift up your shirt. And the assistant coach is yanking my shirt up, and they took off my shoulder strap because one of the kids had broken his shoulder strap. So they gave it to him, and he went back in the game, and I went back to the bench. And I don't tell you this you know, for sympathy, but I'll take any you can give me. That's not the end because I'm sitting on the bench. I get my name called a third time. Now, by this time, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, but I figure I'm not going in the game. What else could it be? You know, is, he, is it my jock? I mean, what's, what's he want? <laughs> Literally, they take my shoestring because a kid had broken a shoestring. I had become kind of the mobile equipment locker for this team. It tells you a lot about our team that we, you know, we weren't the richest school in the world. This was before halftime. Now, I'm, can you imagine? I'm, I'm demoralized. I'm just so embarrassed. I'm, I'm angry. I'm on the verge of tears. I'm sitting on the bench. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally falling apart. My, you know. And it went, we went in at halftime, and I never came back out. I never went back on the team. I basically said, this is it. I can't take this anymore. And it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me just because I, I was just getting killed in practice. But... You know, again, I don't tell you that to embarrass myself or get your sympathy, but to illustrate a point, I wanted to play desperately. I so wanted to be in the game. I mean, I had everything going for me. I had the right equipment. I had the right helmet. I had everything. And I basically knew how to wear it. I knew how to practice in it. I, I really wanted to get in the game. Because that's what it's all about. It's, it's about getting in the game. I did not want to be a bench warmer. I did not want to sit on the bench and watch everybody else get the glory. And I did it week after week. I wanted to get in the game. And I used to dream like every kid did of, you know, scoring and winning run and, you know, getting in the game, doing something magnificent, have, having the applause, you know, people coming up and saying, man, that was fantastic. But it really was just a matter. I just wanted to get in the game. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't. Why? Because my coach wouldn't let me. I had all the will in the world. Now, I didn't have any talent, but I had all the desire. I wanted to do something great, but I couldn't. I wanted to be a contributor. I wanted to make a difference in the way our team played. And as I said, we never won. And me being in the game wouldn't have changed that, but I really wanted to contribute to the cause of our team. I didn't want to just sit on the bench. And, you know, coaches will always tell a, a kid like I was that, you know, well, you play an important role in practice. I don't want to play an important role in practice. I don't want to be a tackling dummy for somebody else. I want to make a difference. I want to contribute. I want to do something that really significantly contributes to this team. But I couldn't. Why? Because I had a coach who didn't think I had value. 
He really didn't think I could contribute. He really didn't think I had any purpose other than to occupy the bench and maybe operate as a mobile equipment locker. That was my purpose in his eyes. But I really wanted to do something great. You know, the sad fact about this is this is the story of a lot of us as Christians that we are living our lives in such a way that we are not contributing. We're not really making a difference. We're not really in the game. And so as we begin this series, I just want to set the stage for where we're going to go because we're going to be looking at a variety of different things. We're going to be looking at character studies. We're going to look at the life of Moses. We're going to look at the life of Peter. We're going to look at biblical characters and how they were called to make a difference. And yet, when you look at these guys, the, the interesting thing about them is very few of them were equipped for what they were called to do. And most of them have admitted it. And then we're also going to talk to some of the guys in this ministry who are sitting out there with you. And we're going to listen to them tell you why they got in the game and how they got in the game and what that looks like. And when I say get in the game, I'm not talking about going into ministry. I'm talking about where you are, what you do in your career, making a difference for the kingdom of Christ. Get in the game. But like me sitting on the bench, that's where a lot of us are as Christians. We're sitting on the bench. We're, we're occupying our place down there. And we're, we're dressed. We've got everything we need to do it. You know, it's interesting when you, when you walk through our church, and this is true of any church, but you, you walk down the aisles and you, you scan across this room and what do you see? For the most part, you see pretty successful looking guys. Um, we all live in pretty decent homes. We drive nice cars. We wear nice clothes. We're, we're a pretty successful group, some more than others. And so we look the part. But if you really look closer, how many of us are really contributing? How many of us are really in the game? Or do we just look like we're in the game? Are we posers? You know, I had the uniform, but I wasn't in the game. Is that true of many of us? Because some of us aren't making a difference. This is not designed to smack you upside the head, beat you up, bring you down, make you feel bad. This is just reality, guys, because we've got to constantly be pushing ourselves about, are we making a difference? If you've been in Mighty Men for very long, you've heard me say this and you're going to hear me say it again. God has called every man in this room. Every one of you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have been called, and not just to go to heaven. You've been called to make a difference. Are you making a difference? Are you contributing? And that's really the question to ask yourself. Are you contributing in a significant way? Now, some of you are making incredible contributions at work. You are making a difference at work. You are making money. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I applaud it. It's a wonderful thing. But are you making a difference in the kingdom? Are you making a difference in your home? Are you making a difference in the lives of your kids? Are you making a difference in your community? Are you contributing? That's what it's all about. And what I get excited about is I look across this room and I see all of these men. And I think, 
what if we were all contributing? What if we were all making a significant difference in this community? What would happen? What if we all were in the game big time with whatever talent, skills, and abilities God has given us? What if we were? What would happen? What would happen in this church? It's pretty amazing to think about when you look across and you see what's in this room and what God could do. But we got to get in the game. We have got to get off the bench and we got to get in the game. You know, unlike me sitting on the bench in 1971 as a 16-year-old 10th grader, I didn't have a whole lot of choice. Now, I could have jumped off the bench and gone in the game, but it wouldn't have lasted long because my coach would have yanked me off pretty quick. But you know what? There's nothing preventing any of us from getting in the game right now. There's nothing except us that's keeping it from happening. But reality is there's a lot of men in this room. There's a lot of men in this church. There's a lot of people in this community who are believers in Jesus Christ and they're fine with sitting on the bench. They've learned to live sitting on the bench and letting other people contribute. I don't know about you, but I'm not wired that way. I can't sit on the bench. I couldn't do it then and I can't do it now. I just can't stand to sit on the bench and watch somebody else do it. Is it because I want to get the glory? Not necessarily. It's just because I, I just, I'm just wired to get involved. Do something. Make a difference. Feel like you're contributing. So at the end of the day, you feel like you did something that has lasting value. Most of you know that I spent 29 years of my life in the advertising business working for various ad agencies across Dallas and Fort Worth. I had my own agency in the 80s. The last seven years of my life were spent consulting with ad agencies. But you know what I struggled with? And this is just me. I struggled every day waking up, going into work, and coming up with yet another ad. And I felt like I was pretty good at it. But here's another ad. Here's another ad to get people to buy something with money they don't have. Charge it. You can't live without this. Buy it. And I was really good at making people do that. But I would go to bed at night and I'd think, what in the world have I done for the cause of Christ in doing that ad? Now, I provided for my family, and that's important. I, was an, I, I think I had an impact on those I worked with in, ter- in terms of the, the kingdom by living a Christian life in front of them. But at the end of the day, I would struggle with, What difference have I made in the cause of Christ? And that's part of what propelled me over a period of years to where I am now as a life stage pastor here and as as the men's minister. That's not what God has for all of us. But I do think there comes a point in your life and in my life where we have to step back and go, what am I really doing to make a difference for eternity, for the cause of Christ? Or are we content with sitting on the bench? I hope not. I hope that's not where we are. Thinking that we have nothing to offer. You know, there are guys in this room who are so successful at work and they are contributors at work. But when it comes to the kingdom cause, they sit there and think, man, I, I, I just don't have anything to offer. I couldn't teach kids. I couldn't, I couldn't serve in the men's ministry. I couldn't shepherd a table of guys. I, could, I can't even lead my own kids. But you could, and you should, because you've been called to.
getting in the game. We think we have nothing to offer. But you know what? My coach thought I had nothing to offer, and he was probably right. But my God doesn't look at me that way. He doesn't look at me and say, you know, Ken, you just don't have much to offer. You don't have enough to give to the kingdom. So therefore, just put your butt back on the bench and keep it warm. And when I need a shoulder pad, I'll call you. When I need a shoestring, I'll call you. See, that's what some of us have relegated ourselves to is just basically we're contributing odds and ends. You know, we may be givers and that's a wonderful thing. Many of you have the gift of giving and you give to support the church. Some of us serve in little bitty ways and some of us don't serve at all. But I'm I'm a firm believer that God has a big cause for you. Not a little one. Not a small thing, but a big thing that he wants you to accomplish for his kingdom. And over the next weeks, you're going to hear from some guys who are doing some big things for the cause of Christ. Why? Because they're special? Because they're, they have incredible talents? No, because they're just like you. And the only difference may be that they said, yes, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And you're going to hear from those guys. And hopefully it'll inspire me, it'll inspire you to get off the bench and get in the game. And make a difference. Here's a question I want to I just throw out there to you. This is a series about relevance and about significance. Being relevant. You know, that's a big thing today. We need to be relevant. We need to be contextual. We need to make sure we communicate to the, the world out there. It's about being relevant. It's about being significant. Uh, there's a book out there called From Success to Significance. Wonderful book. If you've never read it, read it. That's kind of what we're talking about is that many of us are successful, but we're not truly significant in terms of kingdom causes. It's about having purpose and about having a passion. Having a passion. What's your purpose? Why are you here? It's about a calling. And as I said, every guy in this room has been called. But it's also about contributing. You know, when I got called off the bench, my only contribution was a shoestring, a strap, and a chin strap. That's, that was my contribution. Not exactly what I had in mind. Now, it kept those guys in the game. But I think there's more. And so does God. Are you contributing? This is about moving from the sidelines to significance. Standing on the sidelines does not accomplish anything unless you're the coach. We're not the coach. So we're not to be on the sideline. We're to be in the game, in the middle, contributing, making a difference. Oz Guinness in his book, The Call, and again, most of the guys that know me, over the summer when I'm not teaching, we take a break and and I just do a lot of reading. And one of the books I read, and you're going to hear a lot from this, is a book called the call. Listen to what he says. Far bigger than our jobs, deeper than our personal accomplishments, higher than our wildest ideas of self-fulfillment, calling addresses the very essence of our existence. It's bigger than your job. It's deeper than your personal accomplishments, those things you've done, those things you've yet to do. It's higher than your wildest ideas of self-fulfillment. Calling addresses the very essence of our existence. In other words, why are you here? Why do you exist? 
Why did God call me? Why did God call you? Heaven is a wonderful place from what I can gather from the scriptures. Heaven's better than here, at least I hope so. This place is not perfect, is it? This place has a lot of trouble. This place has a lot of trials. You know, when I was younger and I would hear my dad say, Yea, Lord Jesus, come, I'd say, Whoa, Lord Jesus, wait. What's your rush? I got a lot of living to do. Uh, I got some things I want to experience. But you know, the older I get, I catch myself saying, Yea, Lord Jesus, come. Because it's got to be better than this. But guess what? He hadn't come. He's not here yet. He saved me and he left me. He left you. Is that some kind of sick joke? No, there's a purpose. There's a calling. There's a reason. There's a rhyme. There's a purpose for why he left me and he left you here. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next weeks. So here's the question. Why are you here? Why? Not, not, not here. I know you came for the breakfast. But why are you here? What's your, what's your purpose for existence? Why do, you, why do you exist? Why did God make you? And why did he make you the way you are? Why did he have you born in the family you were born into? Why did he have you born in this country? Why at this time in the period of our country? Why are you here? Is it to make money? Nothing wrong with that. Not a thing in the world wrong with that. But is that all there is? You know, I've met enough guys who've made a lot of money who've said, you know, that can't be all there is. I hope that's not all there is. Because it doesn't seem to make a real difference. So is it making money? Is it building a career? Nothing wrong with building a career. Go for it. Do it. Contribute. But is that all there is? Is that why he left you here? Is it to enjoy the finer things of life? Hey, if you've got them, use them. Enjoy them. But is that all there is? Is that why he made you? Is it to make a name for yourself? Is it to get your name put on the corner office? To get it put on the side of the building? On the side of the vehicles that drive down the road and you go, man, that's my company. Look at me. Is that all there is? Is it to live out your days... Waiting for eternity just to get to heaven. Is that, is that all there is? You know, I'm, I want to get to heaven and I know I'm going. But I got some time here. I don't know how long it is. But I want to enjoy more here. And I want to make a difference here because this is where he's left me. This is, he's put me here for a purpose. Let me ask it another way. Why do you think God called you to begin with? See, these are questions we don't really talk about. We don't think about. You know, why, why did God call me? Why not the next guy? Why did, why did he call Ken Miller? Because I'll be real honest with you. And most of you guys who know me and know my story, I wouldn't have called me. I wouldn't have picked me. As bad as the disciples were, I wouldn't even have made that team. So why did he call me? Why did he call you? What's the purpose? Why did he choose you? I look around the room and I'm thinking, hey, if I were God, come on, guys, look around. Why did he choose you? You are not God's gift to much of anything. I'm not either. Why did God choose me? 
I don't have that many talents. I don't have that many abilities. I'm not that impressive. I wasn't an incredible sports star. I don't have a dynamic testimony. So why did he choose me? Some obscure kid growing up on Long Island, New York, the son of a Baptist preacher. Why me? To make a difference. To be a contributor. What do you think his plan was in choosing you? See, we're all about plans, aren't we? I'm not particularly about plans. My wife is. She makes them for me. I'm not real good at making plans. But I do have plans. I do have goals, dreams, ambitions, desires, things that I would like to accomplish with my life. But you know what? God's got a plan. When's the last time you asked him what his was for you? What's your plan for me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to minister to? What's your purpose for me? Why am I here? Have you ever asked him? He'll tell you. You may not like what you hear, but he will tell you. And he has a plan for you. What do you think that might be? Well, we've, we've looked at the question, why are we here? Why do we exist? Well, let me, let me give you a challenge to wrap this thing up. Uh, Again, been, been doing a lot of reading, and Os Guinness is one of the ones I've been reading, and, and there's others, but Os Guinness has made a, a profound impact uh, in terms of some of the things he's had to say. Listen to this. This is from the call. He says, as modern people, we are all in a search for significance. We desire to make a difference. We long to leave a legacy. Think about your life. I think this is true of every guy in this room. We yearn, as Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, to leave the world a bit better. Our passion is to know that we are fulfilling the purpose for which we are here on earth. All other standards of success, wealth, power, position, knowledge, friendships, grow tinny and hollow if we do not satisfy this deeper longing. Every guy in this room wants to be significant, wants to make a difference, wants to be a contributor. And everything we end up pursuing, be it wealth, power, position, knowledge, possessions, they don't deliver in the end. They always leave you feeling a little bit short, like they just didn't live up to their billing. Because you and I... As believers, most especially, we're called to something greater. Called to something greater. Soren Kierkegaard says this, The thing is to understand myself, to see what God really wants me, you, to do. The thing is to find a truth which is true for me, to find the idea for which I can live and for which I can die. See, that's important. There's some things I'll live for and I'll pursue them with a vengeance, but there's not a whole lot of things I'll die for. An idea, a truth for which I will both live and die. You know, guys who come have heard me refer to this magazine and it's Voice of the Martyrs. If you've never seen it, you need to get it. I was reading it last night and it's just story after story of people of faith all across the world who are literally dying For the cause of Christ. Willingly. Willingly. Why? Because they have an idea for which they can both live. And while they're alive, guess what they're doing? They're living for the cause of Christ. They're sharing the gospel in countries where it's not 
safe to share the gospel. They're willing to live for it and they're willing to die for it. When pushed against the wall and, and told to either turn, turn from Christ or die, guess what they do? They die. And they die by the thousands every single day. What are you willing to live and die for? So here's, here's some of our problems, guys. And this is true of me and it's true of you. Many of us have too much to live with, but we have too little to die for or to live for. We've, we've got so much stuff. I mean, I am so incredibly blessed by God. I've got more stuff than I can take care of. You know, I spent Labor Day laboring. I thought you were supposed to rest on Labor Day. No, I was out in my yard replacing huge sections of my fence that had rotted. I thought I was going to go out there and replace a couple of you know, little pickets. But every time I pulled one off, the next one would fall off. And I ended up spending my whole Labor Day holiday working to keep up what I own. See, we're owned by what we have, most of us. But we're so blessed. We have so much to live with, but we have very little to live and die for. And it's just kind of sad when you look around at the world. Some of us feel we have time, but not enough money. Some of us feel just the opposite. We have money, but not enough time. I've never really had that problem. I'm more the first one. I just never seem to have enough. I don't have enough of either, to tell you the truth, time or money. But you know what? It's just a reality for many of us. Many of us, in the midst of all the material possessions, the plenty, we have spiritual poverty. That's why you can see people in, in the West who have so much. Sometimes we are the least spiritual. We have the least spiritual appetite because we have so much vying for our attention. We're so busy making a living, guys. We miss out on what God has planned for our life. We're so busy. Man, I, you know, my, my typical answer to, and I hate it, but when anybody says, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Well, whose fault is that? What are you busy about? What are you doing? What are you accomplishing with your busyness? What difference is your busyness making? We're busy making a living, living our life, but... We miss out on what God's plan for our life. What does God want to do with my day? What does God, you know, even in working in my yard, I worked with my son. Maybe that was God's plan all along. See, I was hung up on the fact that I had to work on Labor Day, but I got to do it with my 13-year-old son. Maybe that was his plan. What's your purpose What's God got planned for your life? Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. How many guys in here, if I asked, would raise your hand and say, I am living it to the full? Man, I got life to the full. I've, it, is, it is so abundant. It is so rich. It's so full. The message says it this way. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Again, if I asked you, could you raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm there, I'm all over that. I'm, I'm living the better life 
God's way. God's way. Life to the full. That word in the Greek is parisos. It means over and above. It means more than is necessary. Super added. Super abundant. Supercharged. See, what did Jesus promise you and I? I promise to give you life supercharged. More than you can even handle. But for what? What's the purpose? For his kingdom, his cause, to accomplish great things for him. That's what he's promised. And so here's the solution as we wrap this up this morning. You've got to recognize, I've got to recognize that I have been called by God. I am, I am a called individual. And we're going to be looking at passages that just spell this out time and time again from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Genesis to Revelation. I am called by God. I've got to recognize that. You are, are, are called by God. There's not a guy in this room who can sit out there and say, well, that's not my job. That's why we pay you. That's why we have Ted. That's why we have life stage pastors. No, you are called by God and you've got to recognize it. And realize it. And then you got to discover what have you been called for? What's your calling? I can't tell you what that is. I could give you all kinds of jobs to do, but that's not your calling. That's between you and him. What's your calling? Recognize you've been called. Discover what your calling is and then follow it. Once he tells you, you got to do it. Once he's revealed it, you got to obey him. And you're going to hear testimonies from guys who have had to step out in faith and say, okay, God, this is what I feel like you're telling me to do. I don't have a clue how to do it. I don't know how I'm even going to afford it, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to follow your calling. And you're going to hear testimonies of guys that it's transformed their lives. It's changed them and it's changing the world because of their obedience. Again, Oz Guinness, calling is the truth. That God calls us to himself so decisively. Wasn't a mistake. You know, God didn't call Ken Miller and then go, whoo, man, why in the world did I call him? Must have got a wrong number there. He didn't live up to the billing. No, God called me so decisively that everything I am, everything I do, and everything I have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and service. Everything you are, everything you do, everything you have is lived out in response to his calling, in devotion, in dynamism, everything about you. That's how decisive this calling is. See, we, we, have, we have taken our lives and we've segmented it into pies, little pieces of pie. And we got this little segment called spiritual life. And some of us, it's bigger than others. And we get kind of cocky when we think my piece of the pie spiritually is bigger than yours. But you know what I'm slowly learning is every area of my life is spiritual. Because I'm a spiritual creature. My work is spiritual. My home life is spiritual. My recreation is spiritual. My Kids and my relationship with them is spiritual. Everything about my life is spiritual. So that everything I am, everything I do, everything I have is impacted by the call. He called you. 
the whole you to make a difference. So what's the result of that, guys? This is where it gets exciting for me. It's a life filled with purpose. Man, you wake up in the morning and you know you got purpose. And it's not just to drive 40 miles to get to work, to go through another day, make another dollar, put it in the bank, hope it lasts to the next paycheck. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is more than that. And to be able to wake up and know that I live a life filled with purpose and I'm making a difference. It's a life characterized by contentment which we are short on in America today. A life characterized by contentment and satisfaction. I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else because I have a purpose. I don't need one more thing because I have purpose. It's a life focused on the eternal, not the temporal. It's looking out ahead and seeing that this isn't all there is. There's more to come. And the greatest thing out there for us is in eternity, not here. Changing our perspective. And it's a life lived according to his will, not mine and not yours. See, that's the result of this. When you get the calling, obey the calling, follow the calling, you will have these things. It's a guarantee. So this series is going to challenge you and me. It's a call to each of us to answer the call. God's calling. He's already called you. Get out off the sideline and start making a significant impact in the world. Let it start today. Get into the game. Get into the game. You know, Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, offered a challenge. He offered a call. He said, follow me. And there were some fishermen. There was a tax collector. There were some individuals who dropped everything and said, okay. I'm going to follow you. That call is still being issued today. Follow me. Not just to salvation, but to make a difference. And those 12 men, at least 11 of them, made a significant impact on the world. He's called you. He's saying, follow me. Do you have a reason for being this morning? Do you have a purpose? Do you want to go beyond significance or success to significance in your life? Do you want to contribute? Are you ready to live life to the full? My prayer is, my hope is that every single guy in this room is ready for that. And I'm telling you, God is ready. And he will make a huge impact in this church, in this community, in this city, in this country, in this world, through the guys sitting in this room. When we answer the call and we get in the game, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you that you are the caller. You're the one that called us. You're the one that made us. You created us. You called us. You provided salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. You have redeemed us. You have sanctified us. And you have given each one of us a purpose for our lives. But Father, many of us don't know what it is yet. We're not living in that purpose. And we are so wrapped up in our purpose that we're failing to accomplish what you've called us to do. Father, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes. Help us to see that we are here for a reason. Every guy in this room this morning right now is here for a reason. 
And he has been called by you. Help us to get off the bench. Help us to get into the game. Help us to put every energy and effort into the cause of Jesus Christ for which we have been called. Father, you've equipped us. You've gifted us. You've given us everything we need through the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life you've called us to live and to accomplish the goals and objectives you have for our life. And I'm going to thank you right now for what you're going to do in the lives of these men over the weeks and the months ahead as we see our lives transformed when we accept the call and get in the game. Father, bless these men. Keep them safe as they drive. Keep them close to you. Keep them in your word. Challenge them. Motivate them. Mold them and make them into the men that you want them to be. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, and our coming King.